Last uh, podcast, you made mention of my hat, uh, Make Marriage Great Again, which was uh, I'd just been to a, um, a marriage retreat that um, it's another local church in town. And uh, our cousin, John Gimber, who's kind of our he's kind of our in in family chef. Um, he's quite the cook, I would say. He was a fireman at one time. And, and by the way, I don't every fireman I know is a good cook as well and i guess because well, all they, the, they yeah. cook themselves that's what i'm yeah. saying they cook at the firehouse so i guess they just learn how to do it because almost everyone i know is a, is a decent cook uh that i've run up on and uh usually cooks in their families john's like that so you know john's been around a long time he's he kind of grew up with us and you know i when i was a prodigal you know the only thing that kind of kept me tethered i think to the family was that i live with with my aunt judy your sister in New Orleans, I was not living right. I was terrible, but it was a tethered family. You know, even though I wasn't, I wasn't fully out there. Just you know, I'd have probably just got killed if I'd just totally been on my own. So I've always had a soft spot for the Gimbers and, and for John. And so you know, Lisa and I worked a lot with John and Megan, his wife. You know, and they had some marriage issues and all that. And that's what a lot of what we do. So John invited me to speak at this uh, for Lisa and I to speak at his marriage retreat. And I just, the whole town was really funny because it's another church, it's another local church in, in town over in Monroe. But I felt like a, I, what, my, what my feeling was when we were doing it, because John's in charge, John and Megan and like these other three couples. But I was just thinking, man, look at my little cousin, like just taking off and leading something, you know? And he just, he did great and he was just, all of his stuff was really good. So I kind of had this feeling the whole weekend, like I would imagine Paul. And Timothy, you know, like the first time he like turned him loose and he was able to like do his stuff. And so that's where this uh, hat came from. They had these hats, make marriage great again. But it is, it's, it's always impressed me that it kind of in our spiritual journey, you know, and this happened to be in our family about when you see somebody sort of just take off, like that you spend a lot of time with, that you mentor, that, you, you know, mm. and you get that feeling of like, man, you know, this, this person is now got it like and not only do they have it for their own life but now they're leading other people in that so there were 60 couples there i thought you know working on the marriage trying to have a more christ-like situation and it was really perfect because at our church we're kind of having a couple of weeks where we focus on marriage and so the guy that uh that tommy that spoke at our church i thought it was one of the best marriage lessons i'd ever heard did you think Jay? it was which it you can always look check out our stuff at wfr church by the way one thing he did was uh a lot of how we were raised or how anyone is raised affects what kind of husband you'll be. That's right. You know, and, and a lot of us will look, cause I mean, no offense, Phil, but you know, I looked at your marriage, a lot of the advice, like eating fish, you know, when you come up on a bone, you just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> from the early years that's yeah well, that's what i'm saying well phil had this big deal about you know trust no woman and that, you know he went well that was ingrained in my head that was terrible advice you know because i was reading first corinthians 13 it was like love always trust so i remember bringing that up to dad one day and he was we were arguing about it i was like no it love always trust you just do it that's right. You know, not, you can't go through, you know, your life being a detective and a husband, you know, with right. you. I mean, you just can't, you can't do that. It kind of makes you uh, paranoid or whatever. Well, I, was I have often said that uh, someone said, when, when did you begin to trust Miss Kay emphatically, uh, explicitly trust her? I said, when I finally learned to trust me as far as I could see me. Mm. That's when I began to trust her. That's right. Which I always thought, Dad. It that, took me a while. Yeah, and the reason why was you were projecting that. That was your own weakness. That's right. And so you were projecting always that to mom and us. So that's what we tend to do, by the way. If you're like that and you got a weakness in your life and some situation that's gnawing on you, you tend to project that weakness on those around that you. That's correct. Because you're dealing with it yourself, which is a big part of why we well, he, do marriage. He was work. sharing more about, I mean, the, it was just ungodly how his – dad was treating yeah they got our church right and uh he was just like 
but he said he didn't really get it until he just you know he just started looking at the consequences of that and then it wound up you know his dad has an affair and you know molested he, he his was sisters yeah, yeah it was just doing all this stuff in the name of religion you know saying like wives should submit to their husbands you know he was like being hard on that verse and meanwhile he's having an affair and you know and molest, bragging about it to his own wife yeah kids, and winds up molesting his kids so he's like what am i doing listening to this idiot i mean that that was hit that's what he said not not what i said but i i just thought man it takes a lot for a man to get up and share those types of stories and, and facts about your own life and to try to use that you know to help other people the walking in the light concept you repent turn to god but uh if you live a sinful life a very sinful life as i did you know you it takes a while to finally begin to walk trusting others yeah. by faith it just it at least it was oh, and, in my, in and, my case it just took me a while and i was on a uh, zigzag of a course you know when i first started out so dad the reason we talk so much to young people and young couples and people just starting out is because you you want them to not have that 10-year track record like you did some other people have 20 or 30 years oh yeah where you have such a lifestyle away from the almighty that it builds in so much stuff that it's hard to get over we get a ton of questions from you guys about like how do i deal with the guilt from my past and, and we get it because like dad had 10 sins years like i did they pile up when you know you've been cleansed of from your sin right let's go here and so there's a difference it takes a while to realize you've been cleansed that's right and we're all sinners i mean jace is a sinner as much as me and dad but what happened was dad had a 10-year lifestyle of sinful living yep. i had four well really two years away just you know full board well those things build up consequences in your life and it takes a lot of times a lifetime yep but you got to realize not from god's perspective when you become a christian you're cleansed it's new but you just got to take a while to get there, you know. Well, people and people like me, I never really, you know, had a wild lifestyle. I'm a sinner. I had the same, you know, condition as everyone else. And I think people, they feel like, well, you can't have a testimony or something unless you're, you know, have some right. wild life. But if that's true, Jesus would have been a horrible example. Right. He never yeah. did anything wrong. And he work. helped more people than anybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people it's always best to do it God's way. You know, from sex to staying sober, or you know, the best thing, like me, I've never been drunk. I don't know. It's not a temptation to me because I've gone this long without it. I don't know what I'm missing, I guess, and I don't care. Yeah, but it's not a temptation. Trust me when I tell you, yeah. you, 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 it's a good thing to miss. That's right. I did this thing the other day. I was speaking at our uh, one of our things. I was speaking at. And I was like, I'm, I've been on drugs for years and so you know it kind of got awkward because everybody's like well i didn't know it was like i was confessing and i was like my three drugs are psalms hymns and spiritual songs (laughs) (laughs) because he compares that to getting drunk he says don't get drunk you know why but be filled with the spirit so i did this deal said i'm under the influence of the holy spirit (laughs) yeah so we spend a lot of time talking about uh, the internet uh, on our podcast, and it's always interesting to me because Jason and I are, you know, like most people in the world, we we function on the internet. I use it to I research. Don't function and much. I function. I, mean, I study. I research. Yeah. Uh, social media. We use a lot. Dad has no idea about no. anything in computer land. The world That's, Wide Web yeah, is what he, did him out. <laughs> he heard that and said, "I'm out." Uh, which you heard web <laughs> that's what turns you off right because the web so it was but it's interesting because dad like everybody else is like you know he's connected because other people around him you know can look at apps and look at things and figure them out we realize that the internet is a dangerous place because people steal identities they they because it's it represents the world it does and and they trash people terribly you know dad get, you bullying get bullying going on dad you get trashed regularly you don't even know right and which is it's a pretty good thing i've to, said there's probably more than 50 percent of what you read about me on the internet is absolutely false oh i see it all the time 
And Phil, you're probably up to 75. I love to Google my net worth, you know, and see what people say I have, enemies which is funny. Of, Can you do enemies that? Of, yeah. Enemies of the cross. Yeah. Well, the, how would they You're a that? very rich man oh. on the internet. Oh, yeah. You, your net worth's up in the upper millions. Oh, oh yeah. You're, you're doing quite awesome. well. You know, I don't know who figured that out. They missed mine. They're way off the mark. Oh, really? I didn't get in on the money, so you missed mine there, whoever did so that. So what are we selling? So today we're talking about ExpressVPN, which basically a VPN is a virtual private network, which I'm sure Dad's virtual fully aware. private network. Virtual private network. Take so you that word for it, Phil. you got to be able to close off people kind of come in and steal all of your stuff, whatever it is, because they're constantly doing it. They hack you know, and you got a lot of VPNs out there, but they're, to be honest, they're not very, very, very good. Express VPN, these guys are probably the best out there in terms of protecting you. And what I like about it is it's simple. Because uh, I'm not, look, I'm on the internet. I know a little bit about computers, but I, I don't know much. So I need simple. So I get the app, I click on the app, two clicks, I got it. They so protect your stuff. They protect your stuff. They're really good. Uh, Express VPN is what they're called. So if you go to expressvpn.com slash Phil, which is funny because Phil doesn't even know what we're talking about, expressvpn.com slash Phil, you're going to be able to get uh, extra three months on your one-year package. So basically, we're going to give you a whole quarter for free. Uh, if you go check that out, tell them you're from us, expressvpn.com slash Phil. They're going to tell you about what you can do to protect your network and protect your identity. Did you get it, Phil? Got it. <laughs> Which is true because they call it spirits, you know, is yeah. what they call, you know, alcohol. So if you're under the influence of the spirits, you can never have room for the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're getting your high, which, by the way, is a lie because alcohol is not a high. It's actually a low. It's a depressant. But that's what I'm saying. That, that's what they sell it as. And here, I mean, Paul came up with that via the Holy Spirit. In right. Ephesians. He's the one that made that Basically, contrast. alcohol stomped me into the mud. <laughs> and I mean, well, the abuse of it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, which we are when we get to John 2. We're but it, what you were talking about marriage, I mean, look, when I first got married, I had all these, these lists of things in my mind that my wife was going to do. You know, and I, one of them was make tea every day. I just thought this is, you know, because I'm, I'm the head of the this family. This is one of your that, rules. Well, that's what I was thinking in my mind. And uh, that lasted about two weeks. And I thought to myself, well, why did I think that? It wasn't like somebody rebuked me or even she she didn't mind making the tea. It just kind of hit me. I, I get, you know, things change when you're actually living with a woman and you're married. You know, there's no place. You can't leave. That's what hit me. About two weeks of it, I thought. Because up until that point, we'd have an argument. Well, I'd just pull out, you know, when we were just dating. But I'm like, well, dang, I can't really leave. <laughs> Where would I, I go? I live here, you know. <laughs> so I was like, so, why, why did I have tea making tea? If I want some tea, why don't I just make it myself? What, 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 what am I doing here? Well, that's what, that's what Emman said yesterday in his sermon. He's, he, the first time he knows, they were at a large gathering. Well, he spent his whole life, his mom and his two sisters just waited on him hands and, hand and foot. He said, I never filled a plate my whole life up to this point. So now he's in a setting, and here comes Beverly, his girlfriend at the time. She's walking up with a plate of food, and he was, he said, man, I'm so hungry. So he puts his hand out like, man, thanks for making me a plate. And she looks at him, she said, she pulls the plate back. She said, well, what are you the doing? The food's in there. The food's over there. And he's looking, he's bewildered. He's like, but she didn't even mean anything by <laughs> No, she was just yeah. like, like, like her, she had no expectation that, oh, you go fix my plate. Yeah. And so he made that point. It was the first time what Jay just realized that he realized that, wait a minute, this is the way I always have known it. But that doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be. Well, it's when you read Ephesians 5, you know, he starts off. There's there's two bigger factors in Ephesians 5 than the one everybody singles out, which is that, ooh, I'm glad it says, wives, submit to your husband. Well, right before that, he says, submit, submit, to, submit one to one another out of Christ. And that's all the same context. By and the way. then he gets down at the end and says, hey, that's all great and all, but I'm talking about the church, you being married to Jesus. I mean, that was his point is that in, in a way we're all submissive because we're all married to Jesus. Yeah. All he's doing is describing, you know, if you hadn't figured out a male and a female are different, you know, go check in at some <laughs> Which is why mental <laughs> evaluation clinic. Well, well which, they're different. Which is where we, we are in our culture. We have different roles, at, you know, in how we do it. But at no time was this some kind of map 
in that, okay, we're married. You're making the tea. What? Yeah. I mean, that's it's so just, much bigger than that. That is just lunacy. Which is why <laughs> Paul brilliantly, and by the way, Paul's a single guy, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he brilliantly and, and summed all that up in Ephesians 5.33 with a statement that is still as true today as it was in the first century, that women need love, security. There's all the ways you show it to them, affection. I mean, every couple, at least I've, I mean, hundreds of couples we've worked with, that woman needs that. She needs that security, that affection. She needs that from us. And men need respect. I mean, that's what we thrive on. We we want to, whether it's our job, whether it's, you were talking about honey. I mean, you, you fixed your eye because you missed nine straight times. What but the bottom mean? line is. I mean, is, that's a man that's like, you spent your whole life being able to shoot ducks out of the sky. And we re- have always said, dad, I mean, no matter how old. But the bottom we line is, that. to me, the point is the two become one. That's right. So there's no, we're operating together. I wouldn't be uh, abusive, uh, you know, to myself. I mean, right. it, it, it just well, doesn't give, work To give like you boys that. some words of encouragement, it's good that y'all are learning that younger than I did. But I finally came around, but it took me about 50. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I agree. Well, about first, 50 years, I said, okay, I, I'm beginning to get it now. And we're hoping, you know, at least I do a lot of marriage ministry, we're hoping to get it in guys when they're 20s, you know, when they're yeah. when they're first starting For the out. first 30 years, I would just say when God made a woman, he made a strange creature. Mm-hmm. Then I began to mature a little bit and right. say, maybe, maybe not so strange. Well, that's right. And, 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 I mean, that's obviously what we're trying to do. So, Jace, you mentioned um, testimony a minute ago. And and you hear that word a lot, you know, can I get a witness, uh, testify, you know, hear that a lot. And so now it's almost like blurred from because basically we've been studying from a eyewitness account of Jesus being here. And so a lot of times people kind of blur that idea about what a witness really is and what that means. And so the, there's a lot in the Bible about being a witness right. you know, in Acts one. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, you know, starting in Jerusalem. My Bible's falling apart. Here it is. I thought I gave you uh, another Well, Bible. you did, but they're not. It's, it's It has the appearance of being the same Bible, but it's on different parts of the page. Well, I'm just so, saying by looking at this every week when uh, we get into this and the pages find everywhere, you're going to have to make a transition at some point because this ain't changing. This ain't coming have, back. You know, when you – where it is on the page means more to me than the numbers. But this, I, I get, no matter how hard I try, I get four years out of a Bible. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, ju- it, right. I just hate to set it aside because I've come so used to knowing where things are on the well, page. Well, I just want y'all to know, I've run out of places to look for a 1984 NIV be, Thompson yeah, chain that fits exactly it. your deal. I've searched, of, I've searched America, boys. It ain't happening, so y'all going to have to adapt. Back to the witnesses. Well, look, I wanted to read Acts 1-8. It says, you will, because this is, I think, where the, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus, this red letters, and you will be my witnesses. In Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria. So I think that's where the church get. They're like, I mean, here's my deal. They're like, can I get a witness? That's kind of the phrase. But I'm like, no, these were actually eyewitnesses. They they saw Jesus dead and he's alive. And I think what people in the church mean is that you witness, because Christ is now in us, no doubt about it, same Jesus. So we witness transformation. You witness right. transformation in life. It's the miracle of life that you can't explain because right. people go from the very worst to the very best. But I just wish they would say it every once in a while. Yeah. Just say, okay, because it's Christ in you. When you say, can I get a witness? That's not really what he was talking about. They they were eyewitnesses. Right. They saw it. And they told the first story. The first disciples told the first story, which is crucial for us. In the back, in the <clears throat> Luke 24, Jesus appears to the disciples while they were still talking about this. Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, look, they're describing what a group of human beings would do, Al, if they actually saw someone be killed and three days later come back to life. Yeah, they, they are 
witnesses, eyewitnesses of it. Correct. So here's they were startled and frightened. This is Luke twenty four thirty seven. Thinking they saw a ghost makes perfect sense to me. And me too. Because they're like, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? The guys who were there actually had a difficult time, which if you think about it. Who would So would I. Sure. I would say, whoa, here, wait a minute, wait a minute here. So what? And they've been running with him for three years. Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Why would he say hands and feet? The marks had to have been there. Well, yeah, he told Thomas that. And now we get down to touch me. This touch me and where he he allowed him to grab him. Yeah. Now, that's Luke. When John wrote 1 John, I mean, the first paragraph of 1 John – 30, probably 30, 40 years later after that event that just transpired that Luke was talking about, here's the way John started it. That which was from the beginning, he's not quite sure what to call Jesus. So he just says, uh, (laughs) I know I said uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I've already said that, but then he meditates on it a while, and he says, "That which, <laughs> look, which we have heard, which we have seen, that's one, with our eyes we've looked at, that's two visuals. Our hands have touched. Why go into great detail about we touched him, we saw him, and look, he's just getting started. This we, we proclaim you concerning the word. The life appeared. That's John 1, 1, what he's already written about. Sure. We've seen it. Well, he's he's back on the eyewitness. Look, mm-hmm. we saw this. What it does is, at least in my mind, we testified to it. We proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father. And look, has appeared to us. He goes back to it. And then he says, we proclaim to you what we've seen. He's still on it. Yep. Four times in a space this big, he said, I'm telling y'all, we touched him, we felt him, we heard him, we've seen him, we watched him, he told us he was going to do it. So we're going back to Luke, and the last part of Luke, verse about 45, this is what is written. He opened their mind so they could understand the Scripture. This is what is written. Now you go back all the way to Genesis 2.14. Someone from a woman, the seed of a woman, would crush Satan. That's what he's talking about here. This is what's written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he keeps telling them, I'm going up to Jerusalem. Chief priests and the Pharisees, they're going to kill me. Three days, I'll be back. And they were like, they're all looking at each other like, what? What did he just say? Peter jumps up and said, no way. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, I'm fixing to die. Be buried. Look, it wasn't, a, wasn't, they weren't clueless. He right. told them that over and over. So watch. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. That's what James was talking about in the book of Acts. That's where all this is going to be, be to begin to happen. Beginning at Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1 and 2. All you have to do is read it. You are witnesses of these things. Y'all been watching the whole thing unfold right in front of you. Are y'all getting it yet? Of course, they're standing there. Remember, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Right. These guys were Jews. They had to have been at least well-versed to know that Isaiah said, yeah, he'll be like a root out of dry ground. Right. He'll be pierced for our iniquities, and they'll put him in the rich man's tomb. That's all covered in Matthew, Mark, mm-hmm. Luke, and John. Three days, he'll he'll see the light of life and be. Well, they had the concept of the Messiah. The, the problem they were having was that it was Jesus, that it was this guy. And remember what Jesus said about himself. He said, I, remember he said, he, I testify that I am the son of God. And, and the people around him, including probably the disciples, said, well, who, who's a witness to that? And he said, the father's my witness. 
because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen the Father, yep. you've seen me. But think about it from their perspective, and especially in Jewish law, without somebody sticking up for you, they, they didn't ha- know. They were having a hard time with it. Exactly. And they were seeing someone die and be raised. Watch. Stay in the city. Go to Jerusalem. Stay right there. Uh, it, until you've been clothed with power from on high. Right. Get, go down there and wait. When the other spirit comes on them, they begin to speak in all these different languages. Jesus, they said, whoa, is the kingdom coming in? He said, hey, he said, it's not for time you to know all that. He said, look, you're going to be my witnesses beginning from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right. And, and I'll, any way you want to slice it, that was 2,000 years ago. Lo and behold, it did go worldwide. And we're right. proof of it. Oh, yeah. And at the time, the United States of America didn't even exist. Right. Just wilderness over in here. You say, good. Now, it reached to the Chinese, from the Chinese to the Russians, to us, to worldwide. That's right. So here we all are. So I was thinking, Dad, it's kind of going back to the old days. I remember growing up here on the river, right here where we grew up. When Granny and Paul were here, you know, they they taught us what you carry on some of the tradition. Jason, I don't do anything, but they canned, like they had a big garden and canned vegetables and, you know, can and they smoked meats. And I mean, you know, it was like, well, it's cause it, they survived the depression. Well, exactly. And so, so, but it was great. Cause it was like, we had really good food year round. Like you didn't, we didn't buy a lot of stuff in the grocery store and granny and Paul were Not here at all. Alive, remember? Not at I mean, all. almost well, we everything. We didn't have any money. <laughs> that was a big part of it. We didn't have money, but, but I love the idea that kind of carried on that. Like if something were to happen, you know that everybody runs to the grocery store, right? Well, I mean, it's last, a disaster. Yeah, it'd last a while. I mean, we had a we had a system in place because we were some old timers that knew how to basically live off the land and prepare yourself. But in our culture today, let's face it. I mean, Dad, what, what you held on to jelly, tomatoes, maybe a couple of vegetables, canned but, canned beans, canned right, canned everything. Stuff we now you have a little bit that you carry on, but Jason and I couldn't can any. Well, could you can some? I don't even know I the mean, process. Figure it out, I guess. But I mean, it would take us a year to run out of what we have canned up and already what we purchased with canned goods and all this. But these, but this, this uh, Patriot Pantry, it's uh, so what they did was these guys at, at Patriot uh, Supply. They came up with an idea. It's kind of it's kind of a harkening back to the old days, but now they've taken modern technology. And what they do is, you're looking at a thing. This is four weeks worth of food. So something happens, you know, and you got your potato that soup. That will last they can longer dry. than uh, seal jars. That, well, 25 years. That's I right. don't think we could have got that out of ours, right? I think it's what the, soup. the military does. They have the, yeah the MREs. They, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. meals ready to eat. So basically, what these guys have said is, there's chocolate pudding, you know. You add some water and you're ready to go. So these guys have said, look, something happens. We get an emergency. We get some kind of, you know, EMP pulse, whatever. You know, you can still have the old days of the canned food, but now we've got it in this and actually lasts a lot longer too. So uh, we like these guys, what they have in mind. It's a four-week supply of food. You can save 100 bucks if you go to the website, preparewithfill.com. So that's preparewithfill.com. You get a, a tub of these meals, uh, which is a four-week supply. Uh, I, I mean, I just think it's a good idea to stock up just in case something were to happen. We got some food, right? A lot of people do not have access to the woods or the water, right. and they're able to catch fish and kill all kinds of game, and which would sustain them. Right. Most people don't have access to or, that. Or the or knowledge. The know, or the know-how. Or the know-how. But you know, most people, you're right. I mean, we're probably talking most of our culture. So... Uh, act now. You save a hundred bucks. Uh, prepare with com. Go there, save you some money, get you some food supply. You know, Peter, when he told him you'll be my witnesses, when he preached that first sermon in Acts 2, he got to 31. He said, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. Yep. God has raised this Jesus to life. Yep. But then the next phrase, he said, and we are all witnesses of the fact yep you know later on he would write in second peter in verse 16 of chapter one we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty yeah here's the problem i have 
when you read that while ago about Jesus predicting his death, right after that, you know, and that was Matthew 16. In Matthew 17, you know, where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Well, in Matthew 17, they go up on a mountain. And there, Jesus is transfigured, which I don't even know what that means, really. You know, because I just have it a hard goes time. goes from a regular human body living on the earth that's mortal to an immortal body. Yeah. You're looking at it. He just kind of like in a weird, because yep. it says he was transfigured before them. A little glimpse of the glorified mm-hmm. body is yeah. what I think. What his face say so. shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah. They hadn't been around here for hundreds of years. Thousands. Hundreds of years. And so they're talking with Jesus. So these radiating beings start having a conversation. So Peter says, well, Lord, it's good for us to be here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How about I make some shelters? (laughs) Because I don't know if he means because it's scary or if it's like somebody's going to see this or this is weird or maybe like I'm so scared right now that I'm just babbling. What he's saying Uh, is... And we need to do something to remember this. <laughs> well, look, here's what's funny. He's while, not believing his own eyes, Jason. While he was still talking about this, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, well, now God's fixed to start talking. So just imagine that you have a story where you were interrupted by God, literally. You were talking, you're babbling because you're looking at <laughs> what's you're going shook on. Up. They're quiet and, now, though. <laughs> and my point is, is just there wasn't very long after this, and then here's Peter denying him. I mean, you don't think he has a problem in real when you know when you see your this Lord gets arrested. Well, all of a sudden, what happened to all this radiational stuff? Because he's you know? thinking it's real simple. He's thinking if I say I know him now, I'm fixing to die. Because they're going to kill him, and they're going to kill me too. The old survival deal, Jason, you know, I think I'll just hit the road. Mm-hmm. But they still you, had that doubt, right? I you mean, know what's interesting about this story? I was, I was, was, uh, I'm going to preach, I'll tell you, in a couple of weeks. We did this on our podcast for from the, from the water to the wilderness. Because I think what God said to Jesus, because in this world we're like Jesus. Uh, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I mean, in this world, we're like him. Yeah, whoever wants to be like Jesus must walk as he did. All these verses where we become Jesus, you know, through his spirit in us on, on this earth. Uh, the man but, who said what you just quoted, John, had in fact walked with him. So he, had he tells us you need to with walk yeah. as he did because I got in on the walk. John was there at the transfiguration. He saw that. Right. He's looking at it, you know, Peter's there, but I mean, they're looking at it like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But one whoa. of the things you got to keep in your mind is that we go from that to the world, which is, I believe, the wilderness, where you have the evil one out there attacking you. You have people who are insulting you because of who you are. Not everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, I want to come to Jesus. People Great. hate you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. And so those three things God said at Jesus' baptism and at our baptism, this is my son, you're, you're, you're my child, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. you got to remind yourself of that. But in Matthew 17, here at the Transfiguration, when God spoke, he interrupted Peter. Have, have you ever noticed what he said? He says the same thing, but he added one other thing. He said, while he was still speaking in 17.5, a bright, bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Well, this is the same thing he said at baptism, but he added one more thing. Listen to him. You know, because Peter was just babbling. You know, you know what I mean? He, he's, he had just been rebuked. I mean, the previous chapter, he was just rebuked and was called Satan by Jesus. <laughs> he was interrupted by God himself. He added that one little phrase. Listen to him. <laughs> it makes me feel a little better when I get on one of the hard-headed type rants. You know, when you look at Peter and how he would jump up and go to, 
it makes me feel a little better that uh, I'm not the <laughs> only one who runs his mouth sometime. When well, the point I'm shut. making is that <laughs> they were witnesses to that. You know, Peter finally got it in Acts 2. That's why I read that. He said, we're wit-. but But from that point on, post-Jesus going to the right hand of God, when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, that transformation happened with Peter. He quit talking about himself. That's right. By the way. He, he, he started pointing people to Jesus. He was like, thought. I'm witnesses to that. So hold, it, your, hold your thought. Here's that same Peter a few years after this happened, months, years, not long after. This is Acts 10. You know about verse 37. You know what's happened throughout Judea, that the Gentiles are coming into the kingdom. So Peter's got an update here. He had already seen the big uh, movie screen come out of heaven. Uh, You know what's happened throughout Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, which you alluded to, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now watch. We, this is Peter talking, are, even he ran when Jesus was being crucified, but through it all, Jesus reinstates him in the in the end of John. There, we're all we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Now watch the very thing he jumped up and ran his mouth about. Remember, Jesus said, "Hey Peter, I'm gonna die, be buried, and raised from the dead." And Peter said, "Never." Watch this. A few years later, after all this goes down. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. The thing he was going to, that thing he said he was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's he's got it. Now he has God's spirit given to him. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses. Back on the witness again, whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Man, what a recap out of the events. He commanded us to preach to the people, which they did. Well, if you look, that's precisely where we are, what we're doing ever since this went down. Well, you know something interesting. We, we, we have the same message, you know, the same. The only thing is none of us saw him. Right. But even then, but, but, it wasn't it wasn't easy. You remember that Matthew twenty six uh, fifty eight, where when Jesus had been arrested and they were fixed to crucify him, and it that there's a little phrase in there. It says, "And Peter followed at a distance." Yeah, I mean he had denied him. He, so even though he was following, a distance, he's dragging he, up in the rear. But he was witnessing what happened. He still saw it. He still saw it. But he is he had just fallen on. But his you face, know what else is interesting? Know? That you know the only reason Peter became a follower of Jesus was because his brother Andrew mm-hmm. was one of John the Baptist's disciples, which we read about in John one. Mm-hmm. And, and he, his brother heard the whole witness of John the Baptist, you know, that he said, I think he, he's I the lamb he's of here. God. Right. <laughs> and so he goes and tells Peter, see, he knows Andrew knew his brother. He knew what Peter was capable of doing. You know what I'm saying? I love that because, you know, inside a family, sometimes one guy, one kid will get it and one doesn't. And so sometimes some of the best evangelism we do is in our own family. Like we know that's what your sister said about you. Yep. She kept saying, if we can just get Phil turned around, he'll lead thousands to Christ. And was she spot on or what? It was unbeknowing to me. So in our family, you were Peter. She saw something I certainly She didn't. was Andrew, and she said, I found, you know, he said, I found the Messiah. So when you go to Luke chapter 5, you see when he when Peter finally got it. And the only reason he got it was because he was in a boat, and they hadn't caught anything, any fish, and Jesus is preaching. He's listening, again, witnessing, but he ain't really believing until Jesus said, hey, why don't we push out a little bit and, do a little fishing, boys, and Peter's like, "Lord, you know, Rabbi, we, you know, we appreciate what you're doing here." And I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we're the experts. There ain't no fish out here. We fished all night. We fished Nothing. all night. Nothing here. So he says, "Throw your nets right over there." He throws them out in such a haul of fish that James and John had to come over to pick them all up and get them in. And then you know what he said? Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. What he was basically saying is, 
you're something big and i i don't need but it that to be. goes back to when they I need called. to get out of I here need to get out of here that, that goes back to when they're called what you read is basically john 140 through 42 where you know andrew simon peter's brother right one of the two heard that john had said and who had followed jesus the first thing andrew did was to find his brother simon and tell him we have found the messiah and he brought him to jesus jesus looked at him and said you're simon son of jonah which i mean you will be called cephas and trans- so he did like that reminds, gives him a name yeah, that's right? what it reminded me of <laughs> phil always like you will be now known as colorado because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he meets people and he right. will not call them but once you're coronated yeah. that's it we got people that have by been, the way i don't know where that came from <laughs> i'll meet some somebody and i end up calling him something but what's amazing is people like burley that's what i'm uh, saying billy red dog <laughs> I mean, for 30 years, that's what they call themselves now. They're Burley's like, I'm Burley because yeah. Phil said I was 30 years he ago. He signs his name, Burley. <laughs> well, you know what's weird is the first time you started calling him that, he went and looked it up in a dictionary and it said large black man. It's what it <laughs> yeah. said. And, and slang, and, it said slang for large, violent black man. Yeah. And <laughs> I never so knew he that. was like, well, so why did you do it? And Phil was like, well, I didn't know that. He's like, I just. It just popped into my head because you're you big. Look, well, he looks like a large, violent white yeah. man, so yeah. I could see it, the you know. It's, it's he's well, he Stone just the other day came early. to me and he said, "Have you seen Bigfoot lately?" And I said, "No, I am late." I, I saw that. Big. That's look, what I thought. And he he caught Burley with all of his hunting gear on, face painted, walking through the brush where his deer cam was, <laughs> and he just had a close up of Burley walking. And I said. It looks like Bigfoot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know where that came from. He sent me that picture, uh, Jay, and I said, "You found Bigfoot." I mean, it looks identical. And and, and but Jay said, "Well, I hadn't thought about that." I was like, <laughs> "Y'all didn't plan that." He said, "Oh no, he that, just picked he, him up on he a He just camp. happened to walk by because it looks like they planned the shoot <laughs> oh. <laughs> to reenact Bigfoot. And I was like. That that's how it happened. That's there was a guy like Burley who was walking we through had the a, woods. That's we, why there's no wonder that I nicknamed him Burley because he can be mistaken for Bigfoot. <laughs> well, one of that's the, why I call him Burley. We had one of I'm our li- one of our listeners asked us what we thought about Sasquatch. That was one of the questions I ran across recently. Like, well, I'm an Sasquatch, eyewitness. Sasquatch I have Sasquatch found lives with us. Yeah, I found him. <laughs> yeah, and we're eyewitnesses. I see this guy every day. If he puts his arms this way and walks through the wood. <laughs> Oh, it's Bigfoot. But here's what's scary. This guy we're talking about, Burley, who now looks like Bigfoot. If I get that picture, we'll have their guys show it to you. Oh, we'll get it. But look, he is a registered nurse and works in hospitals. I mean, he travels. He's a travel nurse. So think Mm. about the guy we're describing. You wake up from, you know, you come out of a surgery and you've been to sleep and you look up and this guy's walking toward you, putting on gloves. Standing over you. Well, look, you know what happened last (laughs) year? I would be petrified. He he lives in Colorado with his wife and uh, and kids. Ah, I'm dying and going (laughs) to hell. (laughs) He has a place here. Right beside Phil's. He's been building on his house for how many years? Uh, years. A years. long time. So he tells his wife every year during duck season, I'm going to go work on the house. The yeah. lot, It never gets finished because <laughs> every year he wants to come down here and duck hunt. I figured all this oh, out. Oh, yeah, we know. So I hope his wife's not listening. But uh, so, but but he, but then he justifies it because he works at the local hospital. So he, yep. his wife's He's like, making some okay, money. Yeah. You're making money. And they have a good relationship. And he's like, it's fine. She welcomes the break. Oh, you know? I, so he's gone for two months. I know her well. She's glad for him to go yeah. south for a while. But what's funny is last year, so he's worked at this hospital, <laughs> so he can hunt most days. You know, the other times you work, he's like, they brought me in and said that unless I shave, because you'll you'll see the picture, we'll show it there. But they're like, unless you shave, we're gonna have to fire you. And so I thought he was gonna say next. So I guess I'm gonna have to shave. And he said, I told them. Well, I'm not shaving. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? And he went my little speech about you shouldn't be a facial profiler and you know the heart of them because he's got a good heart and he he, he helps people. And they said, well, you're scaring. We don't want you to scare the terminal ill patients to, into death. Or, which was my point. Yeah. Or we don't want them to wake up from surgery. <laughs> 
and their see eyes you? are blurry, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's Bigfoot. Yeah. They think they're in hell. This is uh, what yeah. do they call the guy, the death guy? The, uh, the, the uh, yeah. But through it all, Burley said death the angel. reason yeah. they did not remove him is that since he's about six three, about two sixty. Phil, he's bigger oh, than that. Oh, no. he's, he's like go, six go, six. Oh. six six three twenty. Let's yeah, just keep. I'd say he's big. He's so huge. What they do now? He works the ER. Works at the ER, and he's there from like uh, seven in the evening. No, seven in the morning to about seven or eight o'clock at night. He works right. twelve-hour shifts. Right. Yeah. But he began to tell me what transpires at these ERs, <laughs> yeah. the drunks, the people on Crystal. Oh Lake. yeah. And he says he has now when they have one that they he's an enforcer. Law enforcement. Oh, he's he, they bring him in yeah. and they say we've got one with the pole where the drip was. And he's knocking out the windows, and he's yeah. knocked the nurses down. You know, call Burley. And so yeah. Burley comes in there, and Burley says, he said, all I do is just bum rush him. And yeah. he said, I tackle him like a linebacker. You know, he played for the University of Oklahoma. He did. So he basically. He told me that story. He said they had a guy that was on something that was just, I mean, he was literally, literally bouncing off the ceiling. He was yeah. on the bed. Yeah. And just had weapons, yeah, and just hollering. I was like, what'd you do? He said, I just rushed him. He said he was trying to swing at me on the way. He just got on him too fast. Well, I mean, Burley is humongous. By the way, the next day when the guy sobered up and had a clear head, Burley walked in there and that guy, because they had him, you know, basically restrained restrained to the bed. The guy said in a little meek voice, Burley said, he told him, he said, thank you for not hurting me. And Burley said, so you did remember our little ruckus last night. He said, I remember it. I knew you could have hurt me bad. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He went from getting, was they were going to fire him. But now, given the right circumstance, he's perfect. I mean, our, the drug now epidemic the is so is, bad. You have to have a man like that yeah. in yeah. the ER. So, so to go full circle, how dad nicknames these people, when I still remember before Burley was Burley and he was just Dane, he came down here for the first time he ever came down. He and his family was at our church, but he had been living a terrible life, smoking. I mean, talk about a dope guy. He showed up down here with this little guy. Uh, we call him Little B. That's about four foot tall. Yeah. And Burley's this giant. So those two came together. You remember? They yep. both dope. You know smokers. what's weird is when I was in high school, the worst guy I knew was that little b little b he was constantly in trouble yeah and so one night because he's a little miniature was, person like he's like the growth got stunted so he's like this cocky terrible he was running around with burley and he was he's running around huge. Burley. but yeah. look here's what's funny y'all were studying with him down here when i walked in and looked and saw that guy i was like because <gasps> i knew him from high school <laughs> i was like whatever he's telling you that guy's terrible but it showed you like i had to learn like many other people that the message of jesus the holy spirit of god didn't change anybody so look they were both young men and they both came to christ and dad helped lead them and when they left out of here they threw their dope out the window i baptized both mm-hmm. of them in the river you did and, it, and then and, i started working with burley right. i roofed houses with him oh yeah long enough to and realize so, that i didn't need to roof houses for a living yeah yeah oh doesn't take long for that but me and him it? talk about that all the time we talk in because it was more of a spiritual thing for him he was glad i was working with him because right. he needed positive influence right. but i saw that transformation happen i would see him get so angry because you know he was a new christian and you know when you're roofing a house a lot of things can go wrong you know we left one day to go bid on a job well he told the crew you know to go ahead and what to finish and how what to do when we got back they had put all the shingles on the house they were done the problem was they put them on upside down (laughs) no good and me and him went up there he because you get a large man that gets angry. He was taking those those uh, bags of shingles. They're pretty heavy. You know? They're really you walk up heavy. up a ladder, your legs are shaking. He was chang- taking them and just flinging them from the ground onto the roof because he was so mad. And when he got up here, he was just ripping things with his bare hands. His hands was bleeding. I mean, he was angry. But, you know, we were talking about how funny that is now. He's like, you just have to grow in your faith as it goes along and you need other people there encouraged him because i was like hey in the grand scheme of things 
this has no effect when, when he was uh, when he was young he had a mustache now you'll see when you see his picture and he looked a lot like randall tex cobb remember the old wrestler and the, a lot like him. so you look at their younger pictures he was like that but this is what happens i mean it's 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 sort of similar to what we've been talking about in the sense that dad in a strange way and i guess we all have have led a lot of people to christ and in some sense you disciple them a lot like what you see in here, yep. and then Dad's case, which is what we we're talking about, he gave, gives he's given a lot of people other names. I saw Curly at church Sunday. His name is Donnie, but he's been Curly for you know forty years because he had curly hair. So Dad called him Curly, and if you asked him who he was, he'd say Curly. You know, I mean, he goes by the nickname, yep. so it's really interesting. But these are all brothers now because we did what Jesus did. You know, well, we Jesus is the ultimate transformer, and I think he there's something about there's just too many to be a coincidence. God, he would change people's name based on their circumstances and right. the transformations that happen. You think Saul to Paul, and right. Well, so I, there's I just, something I to that. I folded my Bible up, and that means y'all. Does that mean you're done? Well, I just hope y'all are watching. So when I fold my Bible up, that means <laughs> call it a wrap. <laughs> Well, so I guess Dad's decided that's all I, we need to say. I would man. like we we're kind of leaving off in uh, John, yeah. Don't do don't do John chapter one. I want to do that next time. Yeah, I want to introduce Nathaniel okay, okay. next time. Good. I just I just wanted people to I read that section that. John one forty three to uh, fifty one next time because look, I got some deep water I want to take you to. <laughs> And, uh, we love when Jay's takes us to deep hey, water. I have some really deep thoughts that come out of that section. So what I would like to do is build some drama and some anticipation <laughs> and see if all our listeners can read that section and figure out what depth of water and where it's at that we're going to. I'll consider it a test. Jace, you just sitting there. Oh, it is drama, dude. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, so deep water, Nathaniel. We'll see you next see, time. See, I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But so I'm saying if everybody studies that, there's something Redbird really Jason deep. Silas Robertson. Oh yeah. There's yeah. something really him deep out. In, this, him. in this section that y'all haven't heard, and I want to see if someone figures it out. <laughs> we are so glad you're watching and listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. That's going to keep you up to date with all the new episodes, and it's also going to let other people find out about our podcast. So keep spreading the word and watching and listening to Unashamed with Phil Robertson.